Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Welcome to Freedom of Species, we're a show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Uh, before us, you heard Sally with Out of the Pan and uh, lots of interesting points around transgender healthcare, particularly for kids. So definitely check that out, uh, 12 to 1 every Sunday. You can also check out the podcast version via the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au. Uh, and Sally has always been a great supporter of Freedom of Species, which we really appreciate. Um, including helping out with our Radiothon, but also sending us um, articles and songs and that kind of thing to be relevant to the show. And we're actually going to finish off the show today with a song that Sally sent through to me a while back. So, um, yeah, thanks to Sally. Make sure you check out her show. Uh, today on the show, we're going to do another pop culture and animal rights show. Uh, I'm Nick Pendergrass and my co-host is Harley McDonald Eckersall. Um, yeah, thanks for joining me, Harley. No, thanks for having me again. And yeah, we, we had a, a, a good time last time <laughs> discussing uh, vampires and veganism. And today we're going to turn to some non-vampire related pop culture. Um, yeah, we're going to get into horror and animal rights. We'll probably get into um, kids movies from an animal rights perspective. Um, perhaps some other stuff. We'll, we'll see how we go. But we'll be analysing a wide range of TV shows and movies from an animal rights perspective. Um, I, I guess before... Um, but before we kind of get into some of the specific shows, I want to just talk a little bit about, I guess, the importance of analysing pop culture, not at the exclusion of other things like more formal activism, that kind of thing, but just in, in um, yeah, to accompany those kind of issues. Um, and I, I think one, one thing uh, that sort of goes for kind of bringing in a social justice angle to pop culture, whether it is animal rights or environmental issues or more human rights issues, whatever the case may be, um, it's kind of in a way... Um, yeah, meeting people where they're at, I guess. So for those who aren't currently doing activism, most people are engaging with pop culture and there's a, um, yeah, there's a, like I'm, I'm from a sociology background, so I guess it's sort of my, my world, but there's a, a Facebook page and they're on other social media too, but the Sociological Cinema, and they'll bring in like pop culture, uh, celebrities, all this kind of stuff that like, people are already engaging with. And bring in like sociological issues, but also bring in like, you know, human social justice issues, cultural appropriation, like whatever else. Um, and yeah, I guess it's in a way of kind of like meeting people where they're at, but also uh, trying to, yeah, challenge them or challenge inequalities in society as well. Uh, I know you said something, uh, a few things about it last time, but is there anything you want to say about uh, sort of the importance of pop culture before we get into the, the specific shows? 
Yeah, I think just to yeah go back to the points that we talked about last time, I, I totally agree that a lot of the time we don't have the time or the energy or the belief that we can make change to kind of go out in the streets and engage in activism. And I think when we're talking about like what people are doing most of the time, I feel like especially now mm-hmm. um, in this era that we live in, um, I think like something that almost all of us share is the fact that we consume pop culture and we consume entertainment and I think that it's it acts both as like a barometer of like social discourse of it acts as like it enables us to see what are the dominant kind of conversations that are happening what is what is status quo like if you look at a film or a tv show from now and if you look at a film or a tv show 20 years ago even um, like, you know, there's the common thing of being like, oh, well, that hasn't aged well. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to see how attitudes and beliefs have changed over time. Um, but it also, I think, has a role in shifting discourse um, and shifting what is what is normal and what is acceptable. Like if we think about like, you know, Sally previously, like she talks so fantastically about like queer representation and all that. And like, I think pop culture has been like such a powerful realm of that. Like if we think about, you know, representation of um, queer people, queer relationships and how the role that is played in like normalizing and bringing acceptance. So I, I do think that it's important to understand that how what people are consuming and how they're consuming it is important um, and it's not just trivial. Um, and I also think it's important to recognize that when we're talking about what people are watching and listening to um we're talking about kind of what is what is kind of being passively accepted by them so I think like it it gives us a lot of scope to then like tap into that and understand what are the values here and then when we're thinking about our advocacy work um like if you're thinking about doing outreach or if you're thinking about tapping into um core values to build like messaging for a campaign like it's important to first know what those core values are, what everyone basically agrees upon. Um, And you can see that and you can understand that by looking at pop culture, by seeing what is sparking with people, what, you know, what's trending, what a better word, what causes controversy. Um, And I think that's, that's powerful. And that's like, as activists, we need to understand how, how people work really. Like we need to understand sociology essentially. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And I, this is definitely a tangent, but just the, the queer relationships, it's uh, interesting you'll see on platforms like Netflix, there's um, a heading LGBT, um, which obviously is important because a lot of pop culture tends to be very uh, heteronormative. And, and so, yeah, definitely needs to be that kind of thing. But it was interesting, like one show me and my partner were watching a while back, uh, a French show, Call My Agent. And it's got like lots of different relationships. I think like one of the main characters is queer, but we, we just thought thought like maybe at a certain like decades ago maybe that should be put in that category because there's just so little representation but I, I feel like there's that issue definitely has improved and, and kind of almost marking that as an LBGT, mm. LGBT show uh, because there's one person who happens to be queer it's like I don't know it feels like it wasn't wasn't that label wasn't warranted yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah when there's so many shows which uh, I think like shows like Queer as Focus like that they really kind of centre queer relationships as opposed yeah. to just having one but um, yeah definitely I, I guess again it seemed a bit silly to me, but also yeah. it does show that there have been there there has been a lot of progress around that issue as well. Um, 
I did want to say as well, and Harley touched on this too just then, but um, yeah, like I think the pandemic has definitely led to like already, you know, most people act activism wasn't a big part of their lives or something they did regularly pre-pandemic, but even those who are maybe more active, um, perhaps with lockdowns, et cetera, have kind of got out of that routine and it's kind of hard to get back into it. Um and yeah, we, we, me and Harley have had discussions fairly recently on the show about that and trying to, yeah, how can we re-energize social movements, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, w- once again, I, I think particularly in in this current movement, that is where like even more people are at than than were previously, I guess, with with lockdowns and that kind of thing. Yeah, e- even post lockdown with the loss of momentum and change in habits and that kind of thing, which is kind of hard to hard to get back into. So. Yeah, well, we'll get into some of the specific shows. Before we get into that, though, I did want to just give a quick update on our last show, um, and you can check that out by at 3cr.org.au forward slash freedom of species or on your favorite podcast app. Um, but yeah, so we got some feedback on that show on Twitter. And if you ever do want to tweet in live during our shows, the hashtag is just FOS3CR. So just um, hashtag FOS3CR. Um, and we heard from Nigel on Twitter during that show. Unfortunately, I didn't check it during the show. But um, yeah, um, Nigel tweeted in during our last show saying, don't forget what we do in the shadows. So um, there was a certain quote from uh, that movie. Um, Nick also protected Stu by asking the flatmates not to eat him or turn him into a vampire as Stu is a vegetarian, which was kind of interesting. I, I have seen that movie, but a long time ago, so I didn't remember that reference at all. But uh, it is interesting that quite often that, uh, yeah, both like like we can analyse, sort of bring in that analogy, but it is sometimes done in, in the shows themselves as well when it For comes sure. to vampires, yeah. Um, but yeah, let, let's move on to, yeah, sort of a, we're going to start off with horror because that's probably the most sort of adjacent topic to the vampires to flow on from our last show. Um, should we start off maybe with a movie Midsummer? Do you want to, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. I think we've both seen it, so mm-hmm. it's a good one. Um, I was actually talking to my friend last night about Midsummer because he'd recently seen it and we're all kind of chatting about it. Um, I guess like maybe it would help to give a brief Brief non-spoiler synopsis for people who haven't yep. seen it. Um, so it's been a few years for me, but basically the basic premise, as I remember it, um, and Nick, feel free to jump in, mm-hmm. is that uh, a couple kind of go away on holiday to Sweden. Like some Scandin- it is Sweden. Yeah, yep, Sweden. Yep, yep. Thinking some Scandinavian country yeah. <laughs> um, to Sweden in midsummer, and they go to this kind of like community. Um, strange like yeah community vibes like commune and to like stay for a while and yeah I don't want to give anything I don't want to give much away um but essentially strange things occur over the course of this place uh, over the course of this film um and the the kind of central couple kind of like find themselves becoming involved in this like cult-like situation um which yeah is very kind of it's it's shot very unnervingly it's kind of in this like setting of this you know 24-hour sunlight middle of the summer in Europe um so a lot of 
kind of themes around that. Um, but yeah, Nick, do you want to jump in? And yeah, I, I will just say, like on on a side note, and we probably will have to get into some kind of specific. There will things be some that spoilers, happen, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in terms of like getting into the sort of animal rights angle. But um, yeah, definitely nothing too significant. But we'll be talking about some of the things that happened in the movie, which I guess sort of in a way sort of will be a sort of a, uh, an example of the direction the movie went in. I guess so. Yeah, I guess like a bit of a spoiler alert for the, for this movie, um, but. I, I think me and my partner had watched the movie, is it Ibisca? I can't remember. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it's it's like a, it's sort of like a gal pal kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Like people compared it to The Hangover, but with yep. women. And like, I, I understand like that it is like an issue of representation and, and those movies are dominated by men, but like generally, like historically or whatever. But I also felt like the movie was very generic. Like, I guess it, like, you, you know, you're not looking for something out of the box or whatever, but it was very, um, yeah, just like, okay, there's the like person who's kind of uptight, but they'll yep. let loose on this trip. It was kind of all the same tropes that I'd seen kind of from similar movies even though they were about men but anyway the reason I bring that up is like this movie was quite sort of artistic and it Mm. was uh, like it's one that makes you think after basically and so yeah I really appreciate that after seeing a more generic movie that there was um a lot to think about um including um yeah themes themes of animal rights or or at least you know again I guess we can work that into analyzing it Mm. um but I, I guess, yeah, for me, the, the number one thing that stands out in that regard is, um, and again, it is something that comes up in quite a few movies of like eating human flesh yep. and not knowing about it. Yep. Um, and, and for me, I guess that is sort of like, I guess why that, yeah, you know, why they bring that in, in movies or maybe even like why it's kind of powerful is that we kind of like even in the language we use we say like humans and animals it's kind yeah, of like we're totally separate yeah. yeah but obviously like I, I can't talk from experience but like human flesh would not be that different from the flesh of other animals because yeah. we're made out of similar stuff and that kind of thing so it's like yeah. that sort of discomfort that well yeah we, we've got this like you know flesh from non-human animals mm-hmm. and that's sort of acceptable but humans is that that's horrible mm. but yet it's kind of the same thing you probably wouldn't notice yeah. if you're eating it so it's sort of challenging that dichotomy. Yeah. Me, I think, yeah, and it's so often used in horror films as a as a shock method. So I think, like, yeah, like just for clarity, and I feel like there will be spoilers this entire show. So if you don't want spoilers for any of the shows or movies we mentioned, just probably plug your ears for a bit. Um, but yeah, so the scene in particular is they're at dinner and they're being served like food, and yeah, there's kind of like it becomes apparent. That so the the cult in question is like a suicide cult, um, and it becomes apparent at some point that they are yeah they're it's at least strongly yeah strongly implied that they're eating human and I feel like human flesh um, and I feel like this I've seen this used so many times and it's exactly what you're talking about it's this it's this sense of it's used as a as a like a tool to shock the audience like shock the viewer into being like oh my gosh something's wrong here Mm. um and i think it's amazing how powerful it is Mm. like even when you said that nick about like you know well if we think about it human flesh wouldn't be any different like i know that's logically true but i feel uncomfortable hearing that Mm -hmm. because it's so deeply ingrained of like that is a taboo um and it makes me actually think of um two things um one is have you seen I feel like you probably definitely have seen Rocky Horror. No, I haven't. Uh, no. Oh my no. gosh, no. Wow, okay. Um, well, uh, 
for those who who haven't seen it, Rocky Horror, like you know, in a lot of way, kind of like sends up a lot of different genres. Um, and in in particular, like I think horror is like a lot of horror tropes are used in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a scene where they're they're like eating. I feel like I can spoil Rocky Horror. Like it's <laughs> it's old enough. Yeah, you've had long enough. Um, they're eating at the table and they're like carving up this very like bloody meat. Um, and then it's like a joke is made about it being um, a character who was killed earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so Eddie, who's played by Meatloaf, which ironically. Um, <laughs> and then at the end of like this, like the song, they like stand up and push the um, the like the table off, like in this dramatic thing, and like the table's a coffin, and inside is like Eddie with like bits cut off his body, and it's just. Yeah, this whole thing. And I feel like, yes, this whole idea of humans are this separate category and we don't eat humans um, is so interesting in a horror context. But so often horror films will, one, feature so much gore and two, use animals as a plot tool. Um, to make a certain point or to draw certain connections, which I think we're going to talk about as well with a couple of other films. So I think like this use of cannibalism in Midsummer is really interesting to me because they also use animals in different ways. Like there's use of like a bear, like mm. a bear. <laughs> I'm going to just say that. Um, in in uh, unusual ways. In unusual ways. <laughs> um, but in general, I think animals, like non-human animals, are often used to make certain points um, in horror. So I think cannibalism as well, like as a trope and as a tool, is really interesting because it's that idea of like, this is shocking mm-hmm. that we are, someone is eating a human. This is abnormal. This is weird. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, in terms of spoilers, we'll, we'll put in, if you listen to the podcast version of the show, then we'll put everything we, we met, we, we discuss in the notes. So you can go and watch all of those things and then come back and listen yeah, if you want. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, I can't remember. I may have said this last show, just kind of sticks in my head is something I might have said. So I apologize. I've already said this, but, um, yeah, Ingrid Newkirk from Peter. I'm not sure if you've mm-hmm. heard about her mm-hmm. will, but she let her, um, yeah, she wants to be basically cooked on a barbecue in a public place and then people kind of smell, that smells good, and then, like, what's that? And it's like, oh, that's, like, human flesh. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that there is that sort of, yeah, that idea of, like, total separation, but, um, but again, not, not so much, mm-hmm. like, on a sort of a, like, almost like a biological level, I guess, like, we're yep. pretty the same, but then we kind of socially create this, like, huge barrier and that, that we're so completely different. And, and again, that the movies sort of draw on that for shock value. It, it was interesting as well, just another thing that popped in my head, you mentioned, like, animals are often used to kind of, you know, shock us and that kind mm. of thing. Um, and just one, one example I thought of, which kind of almost goes the other way, but... Um, in war movies where a lot of humans are being killed, they'll often have like a pig being killed or something like that. I just remember, yeah, yeah being in high school and I was watching a war movie where people are being killed everywhere and then a pig dies and yeah. then everyone just sort of like, yeah, sort of goes, oh, but it was like we were watching all these humans being yeah. killed. So it kind of goes the other way. But yeah, I guess sure. the the inner species of society where these industries that kind of use and kill animals are kind of just Mm. the norm it's not shocking at all like that they're eating non-human animal flesh and so it's like the idea of like you have to bring human flesh for that shock value i guess sure and i think like you know again another classic trope of horror movies is an animal being killed off early on to like set the scene Mm. like it's like 
if there's some kind of ghost situation or some serial killer is stalking the neighborhood, it will be like the dog will run outside and then you'll hear a yelp and the dog goes silent and then the dog's dead and that's how you know some shit's going to go down, mm-hmm. really. And I actually know, I've, I have a friend who told me about this. There's a website called Does the Dog Die? where you can look up films and see if there is an animal who is killed off because it's such a common trope. Mm. And, like, for people who find that, like, particularly distressing, um, like, I had a friend who couldn't watch a film without making sure that there was no animal death in it Mm. because they found it so distressing. And I find it so interesting. There's a whole website dedicated to that because it is so common Mm. that an animal will be killed off. And I guess, like, even in, like... The non-pop culture world, mm-hmm. um, we do so often hear that like a predictor of violence against human is violence against animal. Humans is violence against animals. Like that's often like um, an indicator. So I guess it's like both in this like this trope of this like common plot th- progression mm. of okay, so an animal dies and that's less important, but it's a signal that mm. something bad is about to happen to humans. So we need to take that in. Um, and it's just, yeah, I think that's, it's really interesting how, because I feel like sometimes we present it as this dichotomy of like, or this like separation of like, we care about animals. Sorry, we care about humans. And we don't really care about animals. Whereas I think when we think about it like that of like the animal dying is distressing and important, but it's mm-hmm. not as distressing and important as what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of, I think, helps us start building or understanding that hierarchy of who is important, which I think is also covered in some of the other films, um, mm-hmm. like Get Out um, particularly. So Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll play a song and then we'll continue talking about horror and animal rights after the song. Um, I was going to – just actually before we go to that, I was going to say um, – yeah, this was many decades ago, but there was the the Waco like siege um, with a, a cult. Uh, David Koresh. There was a series I think mm. called Waco, um, but I mean there was lots of horrible stuff going on within that uh, within that sort of religious cult. Um, but also the the actions of the police were very overblown as well. Um, but it was interesting. I think the first thing they did to kind of antagonise him was kill his dog, uh, yeah. like that that cult leader. And so yeah, again, I think that is. That thing of like oh it's it's kind of like within our society often viewed as almost like trashing a car or something like yep. that it's like this adjacent kind of property but it's also a way to get back at someone yep. so yeah definitely plays out in real life as well um so the first song we're going to play is television um it is bad obviously i thought that was relevant for pretty obvious reasons um it is ba- by the band idols from the uk and it's all about um beauty standards promoted in the media i do have to mention um that there is some swearing in this song if someone talks to you the way you do to you i put their teeth through love yourself and that's what they do Smash mirrors, but fuck TV. 
Center for Performing Arts and Monica Singh Sangwan present a year-long season of solo and group Odyssey dance performances on Saturday, September 17th and 24th at Dance House and October 1st at Fairfield Amphitheatre. All shows will be accompanied by our live Odyssey music ensemble. Odyssey is an Indian classical dance style that is both traditional and contemporary in its intrinsic nature. Join us for what can only be described as a pilgrimage where the dancer and musicians merge together as co-performers. Tickets available via our website, sohamasmi.org. This project has been financially supported by Regional Arts Victoria and Creative Victoria. We also acknowledge Dance House, Multicultural Arts Victoria and 3CR Community Radio as supporters in this endeavour. Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio. Today we are talking about um, pop culture and animal rights and and specifically horror and animal rights. Um, And I did want to mention as well, listeners, if you do have any uh, feedback on anything we've discussed, if you've perhaps got a a show or a movie that you want to um, yeah, text in and and let us know about that be worth mentioning, you can text in on 0488. 809-855. Eight zero nine eight five five. Uh, just one more time: zero four eight 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 zero nine eight five five. Um, so you can text in, and we'll read it out on the show. You can also tweet in using the hashtag uh, FOS three CR. All right. So we're going to start off talking about the the movie Get Out. So I'll hand it over to Harley. Yeah. So I think like this just kind of to carry on with our theme of talking about horror um so get out was a film released a few years ago now for people who haven't seen it by um directed by jordan peele um very good film would recommend um and i was kind of you know i saw the film i really enjoyed it 
Um, and I, I guess I didn't really make any explicit animal rights connections until I read um, an analysis of the film by AFCO um, in the book Racism, a Zoological Witchcraft, um, again, which I would recommend. So she does a very thorough breakdown of Get Out um, and of how it represents both um, like being like the experience of being black, um, but also the experience of being othered and how that relates to animals as well as race and gender. Um, So basically in the film, um, very quick overview of the premise, um, a couple from the city um, go to spend time with the, the woman who's a white woman and the, it's a black white woman and the black man and they go to spend time with the woman's family out in the countryside um and while they're spending time there's this kind of like ongoing weirdness happening um of that it's this like predominant like this is white family um and they have these black servants who are kind of like in these acting in very strange ways and it kind of like goes on and the the man is kind of like uncovering all this weird stuff and like feeling more and more weird and eventually it kind of becomes this whole experience of realizing that this group of privileged people are essentially auctioning off um like yeah auctioning off these like black people to become like these puppets for them essentially it's this whole weird like cultish situation which is a theme on this show apparently um so it's a big film about like well, it's about a lot of things but I think like a lot of the themes kind of that come up are about this experience of being dehumanized and being othered um and like AFCO talks a lot about like this idea of like white supremacy and inherent kind of white supremacy in society. Um, And something that comes up throughout kind of her analysis and throughout the film is this idea that black bodies are being exploited and used and kind of taken as like other than or less than human. Um, And this theme is often explored through the use of like the the protagonist, his experience, but also through symbols that are related to non-human animals. So, for example, one of the scenes that Afco talks about a lot is a scene early in the film where they're they're driving to the the woman's house, like her family's home, and they hit a deer um, and the deer is like dying um, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And there's this kind of this moment where the man in the film locks eyes with the deer and there's this kind of like you know build up of movement music and all that and like in the analysis it talks about how this is kind of used in a lot of ways like one it foreshadows obviously that something is not right um and that something is kind of off um and you know a lot of horror movies do this in like this like breaks to normalcy of like they set the scene of this normal kind of like existence of what's happening and then they break that through different tools and you know this in that is one of them but it also kind of brings in this moment of connection between this deer and between um the protagonist and kind of um creates this link between them of that they're both kind of at the mercy of 
this greater system. Um, and it also comes up, you know, that the, the woman's family are all hunters. Um, so that kind of comes into play as well. This idea that they are predators. Um, they're preying on animals. Um, they're preying on non-white humans of all different kind of like whatever kind of people who they see as below them in this hierarchy. Um, and I think AFCO writes really amazingly on this idea of like constru- this construction of hu- the, the idea of human and what human is. Um, and that there's this ideal of human, which is white. It is male. It is heterosexual. It is cisgender. It's able-bodied. It's like, and this is the ultimate pinnacle of human. And then there's this hierarchy of everyone below that. Um, and, the further below you are, the further away from that ideal you are, the less human that you are. And I think this film touches on that really well. Like there's another scene which Afco talks about in her analysis where the main character is tied to a chair um, and is about to kind of be um, like hypnotized and have his mind taken away from him essentially. And the chair, it's like a leather chair, brown leather chair, and he's picking away at it. Um, to try and escape um, and the light like the inside is cotton um, and Afco talks about how there's this idea that when you pick away at like the skin of black and brown people underneath is white supremacy with like the brown leather representing the like the bodies of black and brown people and the cotton underneath representing this history um, and construction of white supremacy because of you know the history of cotton plantations and slavery um But then she also points out that the use of animal skin, the use of leather, um, kind of again draws this connection and this parallel between like exploited animals and exploited humans. Um, And I think it's a really interesting concept. And I think it kind of comes back to what I've what I've been kind of talking about, what we've been talking about in the show about how horror movies like I think horror, you know, it serves a lot of purposes. But I think one of them is to draw attention to certain elements of society um, by making them strange. And I remember in like when I was studying theatre, like one of the the first things we studied is this concept of um, making strange. And there's a very complicated German word for it, which I do not remember how to pronounce, but essentially it's this this, this idea of waking people up and connecting people to things that they may otherwise not connect to by making it odd and abnormal. I think horror does that really well. It makes us think about topics because it it gives us that sense of discomfort of this rubbing up of the normal world being disrupted in these disturbing ways. Um, And I think Jordan Peele does that really well. Um, So, for example, another one of his films, um, Us, um, which was released just quite soon after Get Out and explores like similar themes of like otherness um, and like minoritization, like the experience of black and brown people in society and how they're kind of in this role of lesser than and always kind of trying to trying to kind of like um, grapple with that. And the film makes use of a lot of rabbits um it the introduction to the film is cages upon cages upon cages of rabbits um like 
stacked up and it kind of like shows these rabbits and zooms out and just shows the scope and it actually reminds me of like you know footage we might see at factory farms where it mm. starts with like one pig and then zooms out to show mm. these rows and rows and rows and rows of pigs um and there's like a lot of different analysis of why rabbits were used um these white rabbits and one of them says suggests that part of the reason that kind of rabbits were used to represent is that um, that they like their use of test ra- as test animals um, being used in research kind of represents the lived the lives of like the characters in the films as these abandoned like subjects um, and like you kind of yeah I think like it makes like it kind of makes sense watching the film and seeing the themes in the film which are very much about like those left behind those abandoned and like what that does to classes and societies of people who are just forgotten and ignored um and kind of hidden away um which i think yeah is very like much commentary on like again the society that we live in white supremacy um but i think it's really interesting like this use of these animals and they are like they're white rabbits which i think our associations with white rabbits are usually animals used for animal testing um they're not like you know patchy fluffy um rabbits that we might think of as pets like they're this you know white rabbits red eyes um and i think it's a really interesting idea again of like how horror movies will often present us with non-human animals and be like see what i'm like i'm showing you something about humans here Mm. but i'm using animals to do that Mm. and i think it's like a question for us as like animal advocates of like why why can people make understand things about humans through the exploitation of animals Mm. but complete still completely almost miss the exploitation of animals in that. Like mm-hmm. they see the exploitation of animals because they understand that there's a symbol for mm-hmm. the exploitation of humans, but they miss that that is bad when it applies to animals. Um, and I think that's a really, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a gap. It's something that we can't quite seem to bridge in so many ways. Mm. Yeah, and I guess it's like, it's almost like coming close to it in terms mm. of like, mm-hmm. yeah, but in a way animals are still kind of objectified in a way, like they're just yep. used as a, like a, a prop for like broader, like, you know, human issues, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I was just going to say a couple of things about that. I, I haven't seen the movie, but just a couple of things I've heard about it. One thing which I've heard about it is quite different to a lot of movies exploring um, racism in a US con- context specifically is that there's quite a few movies about racism, but they often t- pick a fairly easy target. I'm thinking this is quite a very old reference, but American History X is an example that is about neo-Nazis, and it's like it's kind of white people, white liberal people watching that, like, oh, yeah, neo-Nazis are bad, but they already thought that before they watched the movie. It's not necessarily learning much, but from what I hear about that movie, it's kind of more challenging, like, white liberal racism yeah. as well, which is kind of an interesting uh, an interesting target and probably something that hasn't been challenged enough. Um, and another thing which is not 
specifically from AFCO, as well, I believe this was just another sort of academic work in a similar space, but was talking about the ways in which, um, yeah, racism is, and I know AFCO explores this in a lot of detail, but racism is so connected to speciesism mm. and, yeah, the way in which people of colour are sort of animalised, so called like slurs of like, you know, using non-human animals and the way in which that both devalues the specific racial group being targeted, but also non-humans because it kind of reinforces that idea that, yeah, being a non-human animal is bad, is worse, is lesser than as well. Um, and the final point I'm making, then we'll go to a song, is um, it was interesting that, that um, yeah, sort of making things strange. And, yeah, again, my, my background or academic background is sociology and that, that's sort of a key concept in sociology and related disciplines like anthropology is like making the familiar strange, mm-hmm. like sort of questioning things we take for granted. So um, perhaps in that way, um, yeah, uh, horror movies might be quite sociological in that way, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah, we're going we're to play a song. Um, so this song is uh, Rebel Diaz featuring Dead Prez and Raka Era Science. Um, Which Side Are You On Remix? I heard this actually from Fire First Aboriginal Affairs and Activism here on 3CR. You can check it out on 3CR, um, 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. Wednesdays. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm a, a big fan of Dead Prez, so I was surprised I heard a song that I hadn't actually heard of theirs before. They were a guest on this track. So, um, yeah, we'll play this and we'll talk more about horror and animal rights after the song. See, before I draw the line, let me welcome you close To all the folks who knew Obama, so the people of hopes Gave the money to suckers, while our community's still poor Withdrew the troops, but started another war Colonizing, terrorizing, creating the oil crisis So they can make a killer, no food and gas prices Prisons is filling, they trying to lock up the future Militarized borders and control of computers Want a stupid bump of music that ain't healthy for the shortest Privatizing schools and policemen in the hallways Can't be dormant, I'm a broken rock up, be ready, brought the family with us, and we hold the machetes. Riding the fence, riding the fence, too many people be riding the fence. Yeah, you say you ready for war, but are you convinced? I'm not convinced. If you're a rider, freedom fighter, crowd excited, then let's do this. We can make one big united, middle finger to the U.S. Give me the bravest and the truest, fuck the hippest and the coolest. We gon' spark this revolution and cross this off our to-do list. Put your foot down if you look down on this criminal system. Put your book down and get shook down like my niggas in prison. Don't be condemning and condoning their actions in one sentence. Make your mind you decide is you a patriot or a menace to society so riot or sit by quietly but don't pull out the flag and try to say you gon' ride with me you flip flopping like hip-hop i don't get locked in that trick box get got like big and pop shit's got to stop i am the people not the big i repeat after fred so please blow my brains out if i ever forget i'm up the independent thinkers i'm down with the movers and the shakers and the ex-henny drinkers the non-smokers the health advocates the non-voters the young bloods in the hood training like Soldiers, I'm on the side of the tracks with the hood gardens. The little child that don't color inside the margins. I don't ride the fence, I cultivate my strength. Cause if it ain't about power, it don't make sense. I've been down with Boogie Down since beating peace and brown pride. And black power make RBG. A OG told me choose battles wisely. In the struggle, don't forget your children and your wifey. If you don't see me on the podium preaching it, every day I hope my every action is teaching it. Cause revolution is a process. It's not a speech or a panel. They bite off more than you can handle.
Ellos hey, still rock hard like slingshots in Palestina. Con todos los estudiantes por educación gratuita. I'm with workers uprising and the right to unionize. We ain't cross the border, so you better legalize. I'm with La Peña del Bronx. I'm still with Victor Toro. Cause gentrification is polluting my borough. So bro, never. South Bronx forever. Decolonize the block, make your neighborhood better. I ain't down with the rich. I'm more Richie Perez. Don't talk to grand juries or cooperate with feds. I'm with students, doctors, janitors, teachers. We need living wages, but they don't believe us. Monida, Barreto, Spofford, Hunts Point. My point, my hood, I love. We join forces, forming our deck. Politics to sickness, streets express symptoms, caught up with a quickness, big business pimps them, scholars play the simpleton, fools play with wisdom, who will stand and fight back, who will play the victim, trials and tribulations, engine generations, stolen history and outsourced innovation, Babel Tower fell, tribes are at war, the battle story's not represented in the score, the game's fixed, most of the faces and names switch, credit stolen for art, science, religion, language, technology, philosophy, and with strangers, they paid in Haitian for the knowledge of the ancients, power in words, actions, guns, swords, aim Panthers, brown berets, young lords, pick a side, one sickness, one cure, one love, one blood, one world, but one war. Stars. What up, this G1? This is DJ Illinois. And together we are Rebel, Rebel Diaz. Diaz. And whenever we are here, we listen to 855 AM, 3CRD Digital, 3CR.org.au. You already know what it is. Free Radical Radio, let's go. 3CR. All the way from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and touring Australia for the very first time is folk duo Watch House, formerly known as Mandolin Orange. From coffee houses to major festivals, Watch House has played it all with their heavenly harmonies, songs, and music. Watch House play the Melbourne Recital Centre 11th of October with support from the wonderful Charm of Finches. Also playing at Out on the Weekend at Seaworks in Williamstown, 8th of October. Love Police, proud supporters of 3CR. Brave men fall with the battle cry. Tears fill the eyes of their loved ones and their brothers. So it went for Joseph Wong. Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Radical Radio. On the show today, we're talking about 
pop culture and animal rights and specifically um, representations of animal rights or animals within horror movies and, and also analyzing these things from an animal rights perspective. Uh, the final one we had to discuss is Raw, a French movie, I believe. But, uh, <laughs> I'll leave it to Harley for this one. Yeah, I feel we don't have too much time, but I feel like I'd be remiss not to mention Raw if we're talking about <laughs> horror and animals. Um, if you haven't seen Raw and you're into horror, I would really recommend it. Um, it's not for the queasy amongst us, I would say. Um, and again, like it returns to things we've been talking about earlier in the show about this discomfort with eating humans. Um, and it, I think, is the one of the only films I've seen which makes explicitly makes the link between um, this like discomfort around cannibalism and animals. So it follows of a young woman who has been vegetarian her whole life. Her whole family is vegetarian. And she goes to university and has this, like, um, initiation. Her sister's already at this university, I guess. Um, Again, spoilers (laughs) abound. Um, But she goes to university and she has this experience of, in this, like, initiation for this kind of club, she's forced to eat a raw, like, bit of animal. Um, And she's been vegetarian her whole life. Um... And after eating this, I think it's like a liver, um, she's overcome with this hunger for human flesh. Mm. Um, And she discovers that her sister is the same and her sister actually hunts and eats humans. Wow. Um, and just to jump in, there's nothing yep. supernatural here. They're not vamp. They're just like normal humans. They're just humans. like normal yeah. humans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this kind of like... Um, The whole film, like, is an exploration of coming of age and, like, sex and um, women's sexuality and this, like, um, kind of, yeah, linking, like, hunger to lust and all that. And it's very visceral, very powerful. Um, But, again, it's this whole theme of, um, I guess it, it explores, like, repression a lot of like this idea of being vegetarian is like she's been vegetarian her whole life and it's been she's been and it kind of comes out towards the end of the film that you know it's because like her family know that this is something that happens to the women um so they have to they they're vegetarian they're never allowed to eat animals because if they do it awakens this like hunger um and i think it's really interesting and we talked about this last time with the vampires of this idea of like restricting yourself um, and that being vegetarian is like linked to restriction and it's never satisfying. Mm-hmm. And then the alternative, the the eating of animals or the eating of humans, human blood in the case of vampires yeah. or human flesh in this mm-hmm. case, is this like liberation. It's this freeing um, and it's this unlocking of who you're supposed to be. Um, and I think it's a really interesting exploration um, the film is very powerful, very visceral, um, as I said. Um, but I think it sparks a lot of questions for me um, about what it says about like eating animals and what it says about those who choose to not eat animals. Mm. Like I feel like there's this kind of there's this almost like this implied assumption that those who don't eat animals are morally right 
but they're like they're missing something mm. they're like i feel like a lot of the time in pop culture we do see like an acknowledgement of like oh yeah like a do-gooder kind of like sentiment of like yeah those who don't eat animals they're like they're doing the right thing like they're morally right and it almost makes me think of like cruelty free as a label um and like a lot of beauty brands use it like even like beauty brands that do test on animals that have a line that's like vegan and they'll call it cruelty free and it's like acknowledging that the other the alternative is cruel and it'll be like you know i think the labeling of like make the ethical choice and things like that um, is quite common um, and I feel like there's this yeah acknowledgement of the morality and that it, not eating animals is the morally justified choice but that it's in some way restrictive or lacking and that you'll always be hungering for something more um, or that if you've never experienced that as soon as you do experience it'll awaken this like sense of this is how life is supposed to be this is what it's supposed to feel like mm. um so I think it's a really interesting, again, like this theme of wh- how not eating animals is perceived, um, of that that's just generally accepted, I think, that mm. not eating animals is in some way less, um, some way like a shadow of like the true experience of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was thinking that, yeah, that, that idea that overall it's kind of, yeah, we have had that movement where – quite a few people are philosophically on board with veganism or at least you know eating more plant-based food and and those kind of things so philosophically we've kind of not necessarily won the argument but are a lot closer than we were uh, even fairly short time ago i'd say um and yeah i think that animal testing is a good example because that they are they are labeled when they're not tested animals i've never mm. seen a label like don't worry we've tested this on animals mm-hmm. like so it's like the idea of like that is the the good thing really yep. like and yep. and it's not it's not a selling point to say that it was <laughs> tested on animals that's pretty true yeah. Uh, uh, um but yeah also that idea of like the repressed vegetarian or the repressed yep. vegan or whatever and again i think I, I haven't seen that show but it's really interesting that that like again, that is sort of um, underlying a lot of particularly vampire shows, but mm-hmm. that one is very like explicit. But yeah. again, without knowing anything about the writers, but just sort of talking more generally, yeah. Again, I think it's the idea of having non-vegan writers and people who might be sympathetic or might sort of get some idea of why people might not eat animals or that kind of thing, but also not fully getting it and then sort of yeah sort of not understanding that uh, yeah at least for for most of us or i guess we probably talk from our own experience but um that it, it isn't something we're going without it's something that we we don't want and it's a political statement mm-hmm. to reject mm-hmm. rather than something we're constantly craving or that kind of thing and the final point i'll make as well is a point from you made um on our veganism and vampires show was about it's kind of almost that idea it seems to be of like of course she was craving eating non-human or eating flesh her whole life. And then almost because she hasn't been eating non-human animal flesh, it's like she almost has to make it up for abating the ultimate flesh mm. because humans are better than animals in yep. a way. Like yep. that, that sort of seems to be perhaps underlying it as well. Yeah. Um, but we are, we are actually nearly out of time. So, again, I, I, I've really enjoyed this show. Thanks for coming in and joining me, Harley. And, and yeah, we perhaps maybe we'll do a, a comedy and animal rights show yes. at some point. I feel like there's lots of... Uh, uh, lots of things and, and maybe another one or on that show or whatever but um, kids shows and movies and animal mm-hmm. rights as well so yeah it, it probably is a topic that we'll return to the sort of anim- uh, the pop culture and animal rights um, theme at some point in the future 
Um, and yeah, just a reminder to listeners, you can check out all of our previous episodes via 3cr.org.au forward slash freedom of species. Um, search us on your favorite podcast app as well. Um, you can feed, give us feedback, info at freedomofspecies.org in terms of email. You can also contact us on social media as well. Um, yeah, we're going to go to the final song, which, um, as I mentioned, was uh, sent to me by Sally from Out of the Pan, which I appreciate. So, yeah, this is a song, uh, A Whaler's Lament, a Lament, The Whales Are Singing to Me by Kevin Johnson, um, who wrote this song for Greenpeace in the 90s. So we'll finish up with that one. Thanks for listening. I went to sea there were no other choices for me A whaling ship What greater adventure could there possibly be? And the first day out we found them Circled our ships around them Fired our harpoons till the sea ran red In no time at all those whales were dead We towed them in Oh, how we drank that night at the sailor's inn Singing wailing songs As the captain played on his violin But drinking was something I'd never known So I staggered back to the ship alone Drunk as a young man could ever be Listening to the night Around me Was it the sound of the violin Drifting in on the cool night wind Or was it something that came from the water To me, perhaps they sang of those terrible things I'd done. I had to say when I looked back over that dreadful day, there was treachery that hadn't really occurred. There seemed to be a kind of trust As though they had nothing to fear from us We got so close like we were friends But then We slaughtered them It wasn't the sound of the violin Drifting in on the cool night wind Something that came from the water It had to be Those whales were singing to me Now they sing Of the terrible things I
left the sea There were no other choices for me A whaling ship What greater misfortune could there possibly be And now I'm as old as a man can be Even today it's still haunting me Though my deeds have long since gone Sadly I see It still goes on You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.